Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. This sounds good, but she was compelled to go to the fourth floor, realizing she couldn't go back down if she chose to want something lower, she couldn't do it. So she goes to the fourth floor, sign reads, these men have jobs, love kids, are extremely good looking, and they help with the housework. She's thinking, I might really want to stop here. But she said, oh, mercy, I, I can't stand it. I got to go to the fifth floor. Pushes the button, goes to the fifth floor, gets off. The sign on the fifth floor reads, these men have jobs, love kids, are extremely good-looking, help with housework, and have a very strong romantic streak. <laughs> now her imagination is going wild, thinking, hmm, by this time she was beyond excited, couldn't wait to see what she would find on the sixth and last floor. So gets on the elevator, gets off on the sixth floor, and, and the, the sign there reads, you are visitor number 31,386,000. There are no men on this floor proving that women are impossible to please. <laughs> it's just a joke. It's just a joke. And some woman's going, yeah, but there is some truth to that. I hear you. I hear what you're thinking. Anyway, I thought that was cute. And the reason for that is saying that we're always battling being dissatisfied things are not enough where I'm at it's not good enough and when you start maturing in the Lord you realize you can be happy on the first floor as well as the fifth floor not on the sixth floor but we realize that in the maturing process we learn to not take things personally Sometimes I like telling jokes about men and women because some of you go, well, you'll be offended for a year. You may hate my guts. You need to grow up. Great peace have those who love the law of God. Nothing shall offend them. You can call me whatever you want to call me. What I answer to is what's important. Not what somebody calls you, but what you're willing to answer to. If somebody calls you a loser, you know what? You don't have to believe you're a loser, but if you embrace that, it's not their fault. It's your fault. See, we're living in a society where we're not supposed to say things to people, and, and certainly there is rudeness in the world. I get that. But the reality is there will always be rudeness. There's always been rudeness. They accused Jesus of things he didn't do. They called him names. They did all of these things. And the reality is when you're maturing and growing, you're not really worried. You, you know, right now in our world, we're trying to control free speech, because, and we call it hate speech against free speech. People are always going to be hateful. Should they be? No. But the reality is you cannot legislate what somebody says. There aren't enough prisons in the world to incarcerate all of the hateful people in the world. There just aren't. Matter of fact, there aren't enough prisons in the world to, to even hold all the murderers and all the crime and all the criminals that are out there. There aren't enough prisons. So now what, what are we going to do? We're going to try to shut people's speech down. You know what? You can't do that. This, that's one of the beautiful things about America is we have free speech. Should we be kind? Yes. Should we uh, say nice things? Yes. We shouldn't call people losers. That's correct. But the reality is people still do and they're going to. So what are you going to do as a believer? Are you going to embrace what somebody says to you? Or are you going to embrace what the word of God says to you? See, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. 
I'm created in the image and likeness of God. And if you don't think I'm good looking, then you're telling God he ain't handsome. Because the Bible says I'm created in his image and his likeness. That means God and I, mm-hmm. Now, see, that bothers some people because they say, well, come on, that's arrogance. No, what you need to understand, if you don't speak to yourself in positive ways and believe you are who God says you are, then you'll believe you're who everybody else says you are. You'll buy into that. And the reality is you'll never live a victorious, overcoming life that is filled with the abundance of God if you believe the lies that somebody says about you. And there will always be people lying about you. There will always be people lying to you. And the reality is you don't have to buy into any of it. And everybody has an opinion, and I don't really know why. I have determined at my age that my opinion really doesn't matter. If it did, somebody would ask me a question. See, some of y'all out there offering opinions and nobody even talking to you. You just walk up into a conversation and start spurting out whatever you think. Shut up. <laughs> nobody needs to hear your voice unless, and if they want to, they'll ask you. It's amazing to me how many people, well, in my opinion, I didn't ask for your opinion. See, some of y'all still trying to raise your kids. You're 80 and they're 50. Shut up. If they didn't get it by 20, they ain't getting it at 50. They're like concrete. They're already dried, set up, and hard. Once you're maturing, you realize these things, and you go, you know what? I'm just going to live life, and if somebody asks me a question, I'll answer, but I'll say, you know, hey, it's just my opinion. I I could be very wrong. But see, some of y'all don't think you've ever been wrong. And if you found out you were wrong, you would go into deep depression and need serious therapy. But you have been wrong. Go ahead and elbow your husband, ladies. I know he thinks he's never been wrong. And the only time he was wrong when he thought he was wrong, but he really wasn't. Many people think that a spiritual Christian is mystical. I put this on my call. Dreamy, impractical, and distant. When this person prays, he or she shifts their voice into a gloomy tone. Oh, Father. Have you ever talked to somebody, you're talking to them, and then all of a sudden they go into prayer, and it's like, who did you become? James Earl Jones? Whoa. <laughs> the kind of slick piety is a poor example of true spirituality. To be spiritually minded or mature simply means to look at earth from heaven's point of view. The mature or maturing believer makes his decisions on the basis of eternal values and not the passing fads of society or momentary crises. Very important that we grasp this because it's not how you talk. It's it's not the tone with which you talk. It's the measure. The measurement is the words by the measured by the words we speak. And so it's very, very important. I can tell when I'm giving in to something because I'm not a negative person. And when I get around negative people, oftentimes negative people get mad at me. Because if somebody says something negative about somebody, I'll often say, well, I, you know, I just really think they're nice people. I can't believe you'd say that. It's just as easy to believe somebody that's stupid is nice as it is to believe they're stupid. Even if they are stupid, I can still believe they're nice if I want to. I'm not in denial. I know they're stupid, but I just, I'm speaking over them what God speaks over them. You start talking nice to your kids, they'll freak out at first, and then they'll become what you say. 
And now you're going, I don't believe it. Don't believe it. It's okay. Try it. When maturing believers fail, they don't run, hide, and quit. See, a lot of people want you to run, hide, and quit when you made a mistake. And you want to run, hide, and quit when you made a mistake or you've fallen or failed or whatever. But you can turn your mistakes into miracles. Because that's what God does. You go throughout the New Testament when Jesus showed up, and there were a bunch of people like Zacchaeus and the Apostle Peter and Paul. And some of the greatest people in the Bible were born, their, their, their position and their renown was born out of error and mistakes. Peter's cutting off ears. Paul's standing there holding coats where they're killing, stoning Stephen. Uh, Zacchaeus is a thief. And the woman at the well is, well, we know the woman at the well. I mean, the whole town knew the woman at the well. And yet, Jesus did not deny her, reject her, or turn her away. Jesus saw who she was created to be, not the behavior she was, the way she was acting. See, we just have to start seeing people the way Jesus sees people. That's the heavenly perspective. I see you as a winner, even if you're a loser, in your eyes. And maybe you've had a lot of losses, but that doesn't mean you can't have a big win. See, maturing understands that there are seasons in life that don't look favorable to any of us. And we have to overcome those. And the second thing is acknowledge, uh, maturing believers acknowledge their failures and refuse to hide behind any lame duck excuses. Well, it was the way I was raised. I am the way I am because of my mom and dad. I am the way I am because of this or that. I, the school I went to or didn't get to go to, I didn't get any special. And so all of a sudden, you start making excuses. But when you're a maturing believer, you look and say, those things don't really matter. It, my, my past is my past. There's a future that's brighter than my past. And so when we start maturing, we, start staying in, we stop staying in one place. The dead sea is the dead sea because it has no outlet. And, and, and it just sits there and still, and it's just, it doesn't move. You can float on the salt. It's, it's just it's terrible. And some people get stuck in that place. Metaphorically, you get stuck, and that's where you are in life. There, there's no inflow. There's no outflow. There's no freshness in your life. You have believed that you are who you are, and you can never be anybody else but that. And if you believe that, you're stuck, and your life will stink. But a maturing believer says, I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I'm going to be. And you have to keep believing that. I tell people, look in the mirror and talk to yourself. And if somebody in your house hears you and they think you're crazy, you just tell them, I'm talking to myself. I'm having a conversation with a very wonderful person. Leave me alone. You have to, you have to hear words of faith. A maturing believer does not sit around and listen to gossip. There's always somebody coming up talking about somebody else. And if somebody's talking to you about somebody else, they're talking to somebody else about you. So when somebody starts gossiping and, and, and telling lies, it's better off just to walk away and let them live in what they're saying. In a moment, I'll get to telling you why. Confess any sin to God when sin is involved in the failure. Not every failure is a sin. I mean, you may accidentally get a speeding ticket going 20 over, and, and you didn't mean to. You just weren't looking. You were worshiping God. You were lost in worship, and you, your foot got heavy because you were stomping for Jesus. 
Try selling that one to a police officer. I was just worshiping and stomping my feet, officer. I don't know what happened. I didn't realize I was on the accelerator. I never try to lie. If I get pulled over, a cop says, you know why I pulled you over? I said, heck yeah, I was going fast. I don't know. I don't know, officer. You do too. You know exactly. And if you don't, we need to suspend your license. Maturing believers study or examine what happened so they can learn from what happened. A lot of people make mistakes and live in denial or don't acknowledge the mistake or acknowledge the sin. If you never acknowledge the mistake or acknowledge the sin, you'll be in the same place next year that you are this year. The only way you get out of it is to learn from it and say, you know what, I I won't make that mistake again or I'll do my best not to. And it's not to impress God or to make God like you more. It's just to simply say, I don't like the consequences I've suffered, therefore I want to learn how to not suffer them again. You know, that's one of the reasons for if you spare the rod, you hate the child. And and again, I know we live in a society, a non-spank society, but now we live in a spanks society. (laughs) So we went from spanking to buying spanks. Anyway, so... The problem we have in the world today, I think, is that there are no consequences early on. Uh, Kids run the home. I don't want to go to church, therefore we're not going to church. Uh, Kids are telling parents what to do, what not to do. They don't do it directly. They just do it manipulatively because they're gifted at it. Why? Because all of us were born with sin, and until you address the sin in your child's life, they will continue to grow in sin. And nobody's addressing the sin in children's lives anymore. They're just letting it go, and it's growing and flourishing. Thank you so much for your support. And then pastors oftentimes stand up and gloss this thing over. I don't have any gloss left. And that's the reason our world is in trouble today is nobody's speaking out, speaking up, and saying these are the issues. And they are the issues. We're not maturing because nobody's being required to mature. And, and we all need accountability. And that's the reason God gave parents is to, to start right there. And then that's the reason he gives us other brothers and sisters in Christ is to help us see blind spots that we do not see. And you have blind spots, as do I. And, and every now and then, it's really nice when somebody politely says, well, you know, why are you so negative? Which is never me. I'm, the, I'm, I'm Tigger. And some of y'all are poo. Winnie, the Pooh. You know, or which one was it, Eeyore? The, yeah, Eeyore. Well, Pooh, all he did was sit around and eat honey anyway. So some of y'all just Eeyore. You walk around, you could get a new car, and it's all beautiful. It's not the color I wanted. You could give me a chartreuse Lamborghini, and I'd be happy. That is, if you're paying the insurance. (laughs) Maturing believers put things behind them and move ahead. They, They don't sit around and pout. They don't quit. Here's the problem. Anything that is hidden from us is no help to us. So whenever we read the Bible, we listen to the Word of God, it's hopefully pulling the curtain back 
and, and helping us to see God's truth. Now, you don't know what a lie is until you know what the truth is. And you don't know what the truth is until you find the origin of a statement. Uh, oftentimes, you go through things at work, you go through things in life, in relationships. And probably one of the worst things is, is for someone to call you a liar that doesn't know the truth. But the minute something comes out in the media like it does nowadays, it, it just ruins people. And, and now they come back and retract it, but the damage is already done because in your mind, you've already embraced a lie without ever knowing the truth. There was a day in, in America where you were innocent until proven guilty. Now you're guilty until proven innocent. And I think it's a crime that you can go on social media, you can go on any account, and people can run you through the mud without ever having the truth come out. And this is the challenge. A maturing Christian does not believe anything on hearsay. They don't believe anything. Even if they think they know, they don't know until they've talked to the horse. The old saying, the horse's mouth came from Mr. Ed, you can't know a lie unless there's a known truth. If you hear one story from two people, how do you know which is true? A maturing Christian, in fact, and I'll get to this in a moment, doesn't really care because our job isn't to play judge, nor is it to play jury. Billy, Billy Graham said it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, it's God's job to love, and he said it's our two to uh, judge it's my job to love so holy spirit convicts god judges it's our job to love people it's not your job nor my job to judge anyone and if you judge someone and accuse someone you're as bad as the person you're judging or accusing even if they're wrong you're more wrong too or as wrong this is a problem in our world today because it's so convenient and so rapid that you can get on social media and say something that you wish you hadn't said, but it's already gone. And you can delete it off of your timeline, but they've already got it. You can't get rid of it. I've sent stuff out before that was with a misspelled word, and I go, oh, i got to edit that. I can edit it, and it shows up different when I resend it, but everybody who got it already sees it, and they know I misspelled it. It's the world in which we live. You see, it's about perspective. A lot of things are not true or false. A lot of things are perspectives. When I was studying theology, it was interesting. I never thought about it prior to this, and this is why you go to school. We have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? And, and you'd wonder why we have four gospels. You could call them four perspectives of the gospel because all of them were different and they're written with different personalities. Matthew was writing to a very, very Jewish audience. That was his perspective. And if you read the gospels, there are different things in the gospels and that are presented differently by the authors of those gospels. In fact, if you read them carefully, there are conflicting stories in the gospels. Now, do you think that God is telling a lie or having an author tell a lie? Not at all. All the author is doing is writing from his perspective. 
And now what I'm going to tell you is there is only one non-Jewish author in all the New Testament. And he was a physician. He was not a theologian. His name was Luke. He both wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And Luke's account of the gospel is far different, if you will, or the approach. Not all the stories are radically different, but he wrote from a different perspective than Matthew. So with that said, how many people look and say, well, I like Matthew's gospel. Well, okay, that's great. But then if you have to put down Luke to like Matthew, you've made the bigger mistake. You don't have to put someone else down to raise up the person you like. But we are so desperate and insecure that we want everybody to believe what we believe. And if they don't believe what we believe or embrace our perspective, we dismiss them and reject them. I can be, I can be as good of friends with a Catholic as I can a charismatic. Why? Because I learned many years ago when I thought I was the only church going to heaven. And God didn't need a big heaven in the church I was going to. Heaven was going to be largely empty if my denomination was the only one going to heaven. God could have reduced heaven and not spent so much money on golden streets. God didn't budget well if we were the only ones going to heaven. But you still, you have to realize there are still churches today, denominations today, pastors today who have poor things to say about people who preach differently from a different perspective than they do. Now, obviously, there are things we might disagree on theologically, but let me say this. If any pastor of any denomination says Jesus Christ is the only begotten of God, the only Son of God who came to die on the cross for my sin and was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God, and today he's making intercession for me, and the day will come that he's coming back, he and I are on the same page. Because whether he believes in sprinkling, dip, dipping in baptism, holding somebody under just to check them out <laughs> is of no importance to me. Because now I'm talking about the thing that matters ultimately and the most is that only those who call on the name of Jesus can be saved. If you believe that, we're probably going to get along. We may not worship together, but we can certainly like each other. And, and people who say, well, you know, I just don't believe God is a blesser. Well, then you go to the non-blessed church if you want. First church of the non-blessed. If you believe, and, and you know, I, they always, the great argument is, you know, the, the prosperity gospel. Whatever, what other gospel is there? It's called good news. Why do you get mad at somebody who's rich? Become their friend. then you don't have to buy everything. Just go with them. <laughs> I grew up in a church, if you weren't poor, you weren't saved. And I thought, well, can I be both? I mean, I did. I mean, if anybody had money in the church I grew up in, they were accused of being evil. You say, well, that's not true. It is true. I don't even know if they bought bath soap. <laughs> I mean, if you were poor and stink... You were saved. The only reason you were saved, nobody wanted to be around you. <laughs> it's all good. Go home and try to think about it. 
See, the reason I'm doing this is because if we're really maturing, you'll take what's being said today, process it, and look, eat the hay, spit out the sticks. It's an old country saying. Eat the hay, spit out the sticks. Because if you grew up, I used to bale hay. And, and in every hay bale, you could find a head of a snake. That's what we always hated when we were baling hay. You'd be a snake in the bale because it just rolled them up in there. Or, 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 it, it pinned them in. And there were sticks in there. So when you broke the hay bales open, sometimes there were things in there even the cattle didn't want to eat. But you know what? They didn't, they didn't walk away. They went, well, we just ain't eating the sticks. A maturing Christian goes, you know what? Every, no, not everybody's perfect. Not every situation's perfect. I'm going to eat the hay. I'm going to spit out the sticks. And, and you know what? Everybody's got good in them. Everybody's got good in them. And everybody has a little touch of bad in them. I mean, it just is what it is. And if we're maturing, we realize that. If you're looking for friends that are perfect, have a good life alone. Because they don't exist. If I ask you who made the most significant contribution to the New Testament, you'd likely say Paul or Peter or John. If you were cheeky, you would say Jesus. Of course, the cheeky answer is correct. But what if I narrowed the question, who made the most significant contribution in terms of the total number of verses? And who was the only non-Jewish author of any book or letter in the New Testament? And who of the gospel writers never met Jesus while he was alive? So this would discount Luke, because that's who I'm talking about. Luke never met Jesus while he was alive, and yet he wrote all about Jesus. He followed the stories of Jesus. But many Jewish people would probably discount the canonizing of the book of Luke and Acts because of that very thing, and yet Luke has a very powerful representation of the gospel. But many people read the Bible only from the standpoint of what they want, not what's really written, which means people often hear what they only want to hear and not what's really true. They're already leaning in one direction when somebody comes up and tells a story about somebody else. And by the way, if you're listening to a story of gossip of somebody else, you're as bad as the gossiper. Maturing Christians don't feel compelled to take sides. They feel compelled to learn and to love rather than to lean and to leave. Now, I can tell this from a pastor's point of view because, you know, pastors, if I preach something that you don't like, that means you don't like me, typically. I was preaching to thousands every week, thousands and thousands of people, and I would stand at the front door, and I've told this story before. So I, I, I quit counseling when the church started growing. I quit meeting with people because I knew every time I met with somebody, if I got up and preached and said something that even came close to what we talked about, they thought I was using our conversation from the platform. So in order to protect my influence, I quit doing any counseling because I thought, I don't want people to think I'm taking what they're telling me and taking it to the platform. So I, I quit. So I just preached, and there would be thousands. I was preaching five services on Sunday and two on Saturday night, and uh, I was doing all of those live. I was exhausted. But one day I stood up, and I preached this message, and uh, I was in the lobby shaking hands afterwards, and this couple came up, and this lady said, you were talking about me. And she was mad, and I said, I don't even know who you are. 
But she had a leaning, evidently something in her soul was bothering her, and I hit on it, and she believed that I was talking about her. And I'm thinking, I've never had a conversation with you. How could I be talking about you? You need to go talk to Jesus. Because I only said what I said because I felt like that's what Jesus wanted said. But see, if you're immature, you oftentimes think that if there are three people or four people standing in a circle talking, for instance, if you were in the lobby and you start walking toward them and all of them look at you, you think they're talking about you. That's sick. Like you are so insecure. And let's just say they were, just jump in and say, I am so glad you all consider me worthy. But we're so concerned that we make things even more difficult in our lives. Believe the best. Love the most. If we're maturing, we have a tremendous amount of grace. We have a tremendous amount of patience and love. Because these are uh, several of these are through the Holy Spirit and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. These are things that are born out of the nature of the Holy Spirit. If we're not operating in those, we're operating from the platform of human nature, which is contaminated with sin. That's the reason we have the gifts of the Spirit and we have the fruit of the Spirit. And in, in, in my, I, there was a day that the gifts of the Spirit seemed very much more important to me than the fruit of the Spirit because the gifts of the Spirit are very impressive. I mean, they, they are really impressive. I mean, miracles, healings, and things. And so there were a lot of people that, that pursued the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they brought a lot more attention to us. But the reality is the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the strongest foundation, and the gifts need to operate from the foundation of the fruit. If you have the gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit, you are like a Wild West gunslinger. You are dangerous. I've known a lot of dangerous people in my time, cutting my teeth in the charismatic movement in the late 70s, early 80s, and, and uh, trying to learn how all of this worked. And, 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 and I watched a lot of really gifted people, but their life was a shambles behind the scenes. And it wasn't that they were bad people. It's just they didn't have a foundation on which the gifts were built. And so if you have all these wonderful gifts and you're an orator, you can stand up, you can lay hands on the sick and they recover. That's wonderful. But if you're mean, I'm not really sure that's wonderful. Now, the person who got healed because you prayed for them, that's wonderful to them. But to your spouse that you treat like a dog, it's not wonderful to her. Notice, ladies, I redeemed myself on that one. That's right. Our intellect and other gifts have been given to us to be used for God's greater glory. But sometimes they become the very God for us. That's the saddest part. We are losing our balance when this happens. We must free ourselves to be filled by God, not our gifts. Even God cannot fill what is full. And that came from Mother Teresa, who was quite brilliant. You see... The process of life gets a lot more enjoyable when we are more secure in who we are in Christ. 
not who we are in the eyes of other people or the opinions of others. The only way I can stand up here today is I know who I am in Christ. I'm not standing up here to prove a point to anybody. I'm standing up here to prove my love for God. You call me, I'll preach until the day I die. I don't care who listens or who doesn't. I promise you I can go to any country in the world and I could gather tens of thousands of people in countries that are hungry for God. They don't care about Mark Crow. They're trying to find truth. In America, we're looking for celebrities. I've been in countries before where people were so desperate, they said, I just want help. And if you can tell me, I don't care who you are or what you're about, but if you can tell me about a God who saves, heals, and delivers, that's what I want to hear. It's a 30-foot putt. He just sank it. Such a beautiful golf clap. Just watch golf on TV sometimes. You'll go to sleep. It's, the clapping is just, it's just so warm. But thank you for the effort. <laughs> I want us to walk in, in process. If you walk in pro- process, you will experience progress. If you don't walk in process, you will never experience progress. The process is what leads us to progress, to prosperity, to blessing. It's the process. Why would God give you uh, abundance if you hoarded it? Why would God give you abundance if, if you were miserable trying to contain it? Why would God do that? It would, it would be horrible. It's like giving a homeless person a Porsche. They can't even put gas in it, much less insure it, much less put tires on it, much less maintain it. It would be cruel to give us something that we wouldn't perceive as a blessing because we couldn't contain and, and handle what came with that blessing. It's the reason many lottery winners end up killing themselves or finding themselves dead. They were not prepared. They had not been in the process to progress. And so when we're maturing, never forget, am I the same today as I was yesterday? Am I battling the same things today that I was yesterday? If you say yes to that, then start addressing that which you're battling instead of celebrating the things you're not. Certainly, there's a celebration every day in life, but the reality is I have to look every day and go, what is it that's keeping me from moving forward? And trust me, there's a list. And some of it would never be known, and I don't maybe exercise it, but in my heart, there are times I don't trust God. And that, that's holding me back. Why don't, and I trust him in a lot. Of, I trust, I'm going to heaven whether you like it or not. Matter of fact, I, I am going, I'm so going to heaven. I know that. And some of y'all don't think so, maybe watching online. I'm going to heaven. And I'm going to be right next to you if you don't believe. Matter of fact, however many people don't believe I'm going, God's going to put me at the front of the line. I'm going to wave as I go in. I trust God with my eternity. But I don't trust God with some other things. Do I want to? Absolutely, I want to. But every now and then, my want to is not enough. And I have to go, God, I don't know why I don't trust you with this. Come on, man. You know what I'm talking about. Why don't I trust you? You are a trust. If I can, if I can trust you with eternity, can I trust you with OG&E? 
That's a big bill. Oh, my goodness. And yet you could say, yep, I'm going to heaven. But God, you can't pay the bill. Isn't that so human? Anyway, I'm not finished with this series. I'll, I'll continue next week. You don't want to miss this. This is really going to get good. Actually, I think I've enjoyed it already. And those of you watching from home, we're having so much fun here that I'm not sure you can handle it. It's, uh, it, it's just, and oh, 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 yeah, okay. Oh, I got to do this. I'm going to be in trouble before we pray because I, I, I'll get in trouble. We're having a chili cook-off October 14th right here at the gathering in the lobby. Uh, you need to sign up for that. If you want to bring chili, you want to participate, there are going to be prizes for the best chili. And, and when I say that, it's going to be vote, and it's going to be hidden, so nobody can have prejudice on that one. Um, so you want to do that. That's 630 uh, uh, this Friday night, okay? Then also, this is the reason I'm getting to this. We have, uh, we have uh, been wanting to get everything back that we lost during the pandemic. We got our youth ministry started again. We're, getting, we're starting our outreach back again. There are so many things that we're adding now that we couldn't do when we started trickling back in after we were shut down. And so we're going to be reaching out to the Tuscany Village apartment complex, which is a Section 8 housing uh, project. And there are, are several things we need. Number one, we've been told by the property manager that there will be about 150 kids. So we're wanting to take candy. Uh, we're going to feed them so there's food. But we're going to ask you to start bringing candy next Sunday. And uh, there will be a, a receptacle in the lobby to put that in so we can take it to the kids. Uh, we're going to need, uh, I forget how many pizzas, 200 or something. I, it's a crazy amount of pizza that we're going to feed them. We've got games. We've got prizes. Uh, and so we, we need, first, we need, we need some contributions of candy. Secondly, finances. Uh, we've got to buy all this stuff, the prizes. We've got to buy the pizza. We don't have that donated yet. I'm going to try to get it donated. But if we don't, we're planning. So you can give toward this project, okay? Uh, you can give toward the project or... Uh, and or you can do all three of these. You can give candy, you can give finances, and then you can show up the day of the outreach, which uh, is October the 29th from 12 to 2 p.m. It's just about a mile and a half, not even that, from the church here. Uh, we'll give you directions and, and all of that. If you've never been to one of our outreaches, it's very touching. First off, they just care that somebody cares. And, and some of these people are the most wonderful people in the world. They're not there because they're lazy. They're there because nobody has shown a light into their darkness and said there's a way out. Uh, these are wonderful people that Jesus gave his life for, and we want to go be Jesus for the day, just for a couple hours. And so we want to ask you to be involved. You can sign up at the Welcome Kiosk. We would love for you, if you want to go that day, we're going to be passing out flyers. We, we'll, uh, the, the apartment complex is going to pass out some first, put them on every door. Then we're going to go do that, and then we'll show up on October 29th uh, from 12 uh, to 2. So uh, you can help us be a blessing to them, okay? So please 
if you have any questions, go to the info kiosk. I'll be talking more about this in the next couple of weeks. Again, that's Saturday, October 29th from 12 to 2. Uh, and as we prepare in just a moment to do our offering, I want you to be praying about this because it's going to take finances. And this is one of the reasons we've waited. We just had to get everything back up and running. And now that we're doing that, we want to reach out beyond our walls. So let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your, for your patience, for growing us for helping us, for enduring us oftentimes. Uh, but in the midst of enduring, you're still loving. Uh, Lord, I thank you for that. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray a simple prayer that makes a profound difference in your life. If you're not a Christian, if you want to be a Christian, let's all pray this together. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today, I'm saved, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to, to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.